Welcome to another episode of Family Records. My name is Matt Rodolfi. With me, as always, is my cousin, Blake Sweet. As always. As always. We have a very special, specific show today. Uh, Mikey is here joining us. Hi, Mikey. Hi. Hi. Which we- means we have a guest. It's yeah, Mikey. It's Mikey. Yeah. yeah Mikey the guest. I'm the guest. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. This is a different episode. We are not interviewing you. This is the episode we kind of talked about where we went out and saw the new Dune movie. So... Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want spoilers, I recommend you not listen to this. But because I'm here and I've only seen this movie, we aren't going to do spoilers for the book or anything. Yeah, we're not going to do spoilers for the remainder. Yeah. We will, however, spoil everything that was covered in the movie. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want spoilers, we recommend you don't listen to this now. Um, or if you're one of those people that, that doesn't that likes listening to things that spoil and then watching it anyways, I guess, you know, do your thing. I mean, I'm one of those people, so I'd like own. to think there are other people out there. Like, I don't care if something gets spoiled. Yeah. Because, like, it, it's not about the destination. It's the journey. Yeah. yeah. You know I Luke? had to go as cliche as possible with That's that. That's really nice. <laughs> Vader's Luke's dad, by the way. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a Next very- thing you're going to tell me is that Bruce Willis was dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. What? Ooh. What's the sixth sense? It's that movie with Bruce Willis and Die Hard, Haley Joel Osment. Oh, and it's like it's yeah. the kid, and he he walks around. He's like, I see dead people, and he's talking to this dude the entire time. Is he in a cemetery? So Die no. Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, yeah, it's Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, it's this kid the entire time. He's talking to this dude, and at the end, you find out that this dude he's been talking to is also a dead person, and that dude is Bruce Willis. Oh, damn! Spoiler alert. How's his hair? Um. It's it's on its way. It's it's on its way out. It's not gone, but it's it. He has less hair than in Die Hard. Let's yeah. be real. The only Bruce Willis movie that matters is The Fifth Element. We all know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. You don't agree? Okay. <laughs> I'll give Guess you that. Guess I'm well, weird. All right. Well, I don't, I don't think know. it's the only one. Everything that else he did was you know subpar. Let's be real. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm an over the hedge guy personally. Oh, I remember. I that forgot movie. about that. <laughs> God, I saw that in theaters and then just it just disappeared from my memory forever. Yeah, the only thing I remember about it is that Bruce Willis and Steve Carell are the main characters. That's right. Bruce Willis. I remember the Steve Carell part. I remember the and Steve Carell thing. was a squirrel who uh, hid his nuts for hibernation and just was asking everybody to help him find his nuts for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild movie. Um, so last night we all went and saw the movie Dune. Uh Mikey, we invited Mikey along. He never read the books. Did you have any idea of what the story was at all? Yeah, because like I listen, I listen to your show sometimes, and so I've heard you guys talk about doing a lot. Yeah, and so like I don't, I didn't remember enough for to know what's going on specifically, but um, I was able to pick up on certain things like mm-hmm. uh, the Ben Jesuit, the Ben Jesuit, and the in the the Benny Jesuit, the Benny Jesuit. Thank you, Benny Jesuit. Yeah, now you got me screwed up. No, that's Jesuit. No, that, that's yeah. going to be the, the thing. Benny like Jesuit. as we Jesuits talk about this, are like weird Catholics. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. Uh, like, that's why I was confused. <laughs> is this a, is it based on a true thing? As we talk about this, um, I'm not going to remember words and shit. Specific that's names. fine. We already run into this issue where I listened to the books and Blake read them. 
So like how him and his book club pronounced certain words were different than the way the narrator pronounced certain words. And then certain words were pronounced differently in the 1984 movie. And then certain words from that were like the Hark, uh, uh, was it Hark? The Harkonnen, Harkonnen. Or Harkonnen. Yeah. In the 84 movie, they were called Harkonnen. And in this one, they called the Harkonnen. And in the books that I read, they were referred to as the Harkonnen. So that yeah. was a relief. Okay. Yeah, I don't think um, from everything I understand about the 1984 movie is is that it's unreliable. People it, love it though. It has a cult following, and oddly enough, its cult following is among people for the most part who have not read the book. <laughs> Let's start drinking. <laughs> we do have a new whiskey, like we always do. Uh, this is a whiskey I grabbed today um, uh, called Rogue Spirits Dead Guy Whiskey. I thought it was appropriate uh, for Leto Atreides. So, so we're pouring a, a one out for Leto, right? To Leto Atreides. <laughs> Leto the Atreides. ultimate dead guy. Huh. It's definitely a malt whiskey, but it's Yeah, not, it's malty. It's pretty smooth. Yeah, it's not like other single malts that I've had, but... I taste dead people. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dead this whole time. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, as long as you pay rent, I really don't care. A ghost that pays rent. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think the worst or the funnier part about that is imagining a ghost with a job. Yeah. Just a nine to five. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to. Ghost that comes home every, at the end of the day just puts his feet up. And he's like calling <laughs> out for sitting. Boo. <laughs> Boo. There should be a skit there somewhere that we should be doing like where it's like. Uh, uh, a comedian or someone performing to like a bunch of ghosts and he says like some joke and the whole audience just goes boo <laughs> and he's like oh and they're like no it means we like you the newest ghost <laughs> the newest boo. fat tango quickie coming out this halloween yeah <laughs> there we no, go it comes out monday doesn't it yeah comes well, out by the time this drops it's not that story it's a different ghost story <laughs> yeah i know this is a oh you the, guys already recorded it yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> it's called, I can't really say this on family records. It's called long dangly nipples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't listened to oh, it, I yet, love it. You, you should go listen. It's not as gross as it sounds. Uh, I don't know if we should give it away. No, people may no let's no. not go check away. it out though. It's only like two or three minutes long. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to keep drinking this, but I don't really care that much. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. It's cool. There's a little like skeleton guy with a beer. I guess it's based on the, Dead guy ale. Yeah, it, I looked it up on their website. It is the same. So it's the same malts that they use in the ale. They just turned it into a whiskey. Yep. Hmm. It's a sick bottle. Yeah, it, it is a cool. cool bottle. But I, I do feel like this whiskey is more about Wait. presentation than it is about quality. What does ocean aged mean? Uh, it says ocean aged in oak barrels. It means they put the whiskey into the barrels and then let them rest at sea for two years before harvesting. Really? Yeah. Sometimes, like if, if, you, if you really want a good ocean aging, yeah, you'll tie like a stone to the barrel so it sinks to the bottom. Yeah, I get that full immersion. You know, you effect. guys, you guys joke, you jest, but that could very well be how it's done. You yeah, don't know. People make or, alcohol in weird ways. Don't or you? maybe this whiskey was aboard some pirate ship and the pirate ship sank in the middle of the ocean and ah, <laughs> this is recovered whiskey this that's why they call it dead guy oh damn because oh, it was recovered from a shipwreck that's wild and people die in those i'm pretty sure why has he got the hat though is it a hop i think that's a hop 
I don't know. I thought he was a dead pope. Hophead. He does look like a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> so he can move diagonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> took you a second there, Mikey. Mikey, you're the chess guy. <laughs> I know. I guess. It took me a second. That one had to. That one had to sink in a little bit. If you ever play <laughs> chess with Mikey, be warned. He'll probably kick your ass. Uh, dude, don't ah. don't put that on Mike, man. Blake beat me once. I, I put it on you, Mike. It's fine. You're good at this. So the first time I beat you, I was like, all right, I'm done playing Mikey. I have to go out on top. Yeah. Then I finally agreed to play you again, and I won again. And you were like, well, I can't play Blake anymore. I think I've beaten when you like happen? a couple times. At the times. cabin on oh, the yeah. uh, fishing trip. Yeah. I feel like you beat me five to one times, though. Probably. You have a pretty substantial record of beating me at I'm, chess. I'm, I'm okay at chess. I'm not bad. Well, thanks. Now I feel like I'm really bad at chess. You're not bad. You're <laughs> not bad at chess. I think I'm predictable at chess. Like my dad's told me that I think uh, my brother-in-law Jake, who's incredible at chess, he's told me that before. He's like, I, I figured it out. That's why. Because the first time I like beat him, and I thought I had him, and then he just I could never beat him again. Mm. And he's just like, oh, I just figured it out. I mean, I know what you're looking at. <laughs> like, I mean, the way you get to good like at, this, the way you get good at chess is just trying different things and yeah. losing until you don't lose anymore. Interesting. It's just like anything else. You fail until you don't fail anymore. Ah, like having kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah. that works. Three kids later, and you finally <laughs> One of succeeded at not having kids. Are going to be all right. <laughs> succeeded in not having kids. I'll tell you what, I'm real good at not having kids now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, you're like a pro. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about that on the show too. What? Have we? I don't I feel like you. Oh wait, no, that was before we even started the show, huh? Possibly. I don't know. We're gonna. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't know if I want you to you're know getting you're really talking. good at not having kids. It sounds like he's saying a weird sexual thing, right? Oh, oh, no, that has not been say You're the one that made the no, <laughs> no, no, sorry, snip, snip joke. And <laughs> yeah, no, then I know the pandemic canceled it on me and I haven't had a chance to reschedule it. So rats, that oh. darn pandemic, <laughs> darn pandemic. <laughs> That's what it was. And you didn't just like back out. At the last minute. I didn't, man. I was waiting. They were like, don't contact us. We'll contact you. And I'm like, okay. And I contacted <laughs> them to schedule. And they were like, no, we'll contact you. And I was like, okay, but you said it would be like this month. And then I never heard back. Don't contact us. We'll contact you. That sounds like you're going to get it done in like some shady <laughs> parking garage. You need to. So before you get here, I need you to go pick up four pounds of ice. <laughs> yeah, in this CD motel bathroom. Yeah. You're going to need to bring a large cooler. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to start by cutting into your side. That's how you. Uh, <laughs> well, how you they got to make that. an incision for the camera, right? Oh, yeah. film. And I didn't even get any money for it. Um, that's that's what that's something that happens though. But part of the pro procedure is they go in with a camera, right? I think that was just you and your colonoscopy. <laughs> I got an endoscopy too. So <laughs> they go in the the mouth. Yeah, I got. Well, do they go in the mouth first, or do they go in second? You know, I didn't ask. Uh, oh boy. I farted loop for a week, though. <laughs> Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, dude, no problem. You brought it up, man. Good thing we prefaced this with the Dune spoiler, so hopefully yeah. a lot of people turned it off already. <laughs> Damn. Um, I, I well, I mean, this is all related to the movie, isn't it? The and the colonoscopy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Harkonnens colonoscopy to Arrakis just wiped the Atreides out. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Of this movie, like the uh, overall impression. What did I think of the colonoscopy? Well, that too. 
rank one in front of the other movie dune or colonoscopy which takes for one uh movie dune oh, okay so the colonoscopy takes a number two yeah nice. you know for the colonoscopy <laughs> you have to take a lot of number two to get prepped you have to put down a bottle of magnesium oh. citrate and then it just clears you out i was gonna say do they give you the big ass jug of no, I I got I got a little bottle. Oh, you lucky bastard! Yeah. Take this; it's gonna wipe you out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was it was it was a bad. It was not fun. Um, no, Dune was cool. I liked Dune. Yeah, yeah. It was slow. It definitely starts very slow. Well, I mean, the book does too. Like, yeah, like in the book club, we pretty constantly talked about how like nothing would happen week after week, and we were reading in like four or yeah. five chapter increments. We talked about this when we watched the nineteen eighty four movie, actually, because. Even that one, they, as much as they cut away and cut out and pulled off, like they still took the first half of the movie or more bef- to get all the basically to the attack. Wait, wait, on. There's, so, there is so much exposition because Frank Herbert, when he wrote the book, he made up everything. Like there are things that he probably didn't need to make up that he made up for the movie. Yeah. Like, like. Light bulbs. He couldn't just have light bulbs. He had to have glow globes. Yeah, the when they follow you and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty and cool. And suspensor lamps and yeah. Uh, I like that he uh, the the Baron in the books. They always say suspensors, like how he floats. Obviously, in the eighty four movie too, the Baron like he floats because he's very large, which is like the whole thing, right? He's unhealthy and large. But like in the in my head, reading it, suspensors sound so much like suspenders that I thought it was like they like over his shoulder and it was going to look like he was lifted the whole time. But in this movie and the 84 movie, it was like, he just had like special magic powers and he could just float. Yeah. They never really got into that. There's too much for them to dive into like that. It was definitely much better done in this movie. Yeah, They didn't overdo it. Cause yeah, in the last movie they made a whole like shtick out of it. He looked like a fat bastard from Austin powers, just floating around in circles in the 84 movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they did. Did you notice they dropped his uh his uh craving for young boys? <laughs> well, I don't he know that fucking they looks like it in the movie. Right? I, mean, I don't know <laughs> that Jesus. they dropped it. I mean, it could be in the next movie. Yeah, that's something that was uh that they got into a lot more later in the book. That's true. They're gonna add that in in a weird way though in the books too. Although that that brings up another point. There was one thing that I that was missing from this movie. Fade. Oh, Baron's yeah, nephew yeah. was Baron's not in this nephew. movie. Although I don't remember him from the beginning at all in the he books. I don't think just, it was till the second. He was just basically just present for a lot of the strategizing yeah. stuff because he was being groomed to be the Baron's successor. Yeah. Who's the Baron? The Emperor? The no, fat guy. The big guy. Okay. He's the, not the Emperor. No. He's not the Emperor. No. Okay. So the Emperor, so the way that, so that's, again, it's so convoluted. So the, Harkonnen, which is uh, was his name, John Baptiste, what uh, Batista, John Dave Batista. Batista. Yeah, Batista. Batista, yeah, yeah. So Batista's uh, um, him and the Baron, the guy in the tar and stuff like that. They are a separate. They are a house. So they they own they have and run their own planets. They're like kings and it's, em- it's of like their own Mikey. little empires. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. All right, they're like all the houses from yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Lannisters. So, yeah, the, the Harkonnens and the Atreides are like the Lannisters and the Starks. On a major level, because they'll have multiple planets. Right. You know, like, and the Atreides are one of the most powerful 
Um, and the just, obviously, I'm sure you caught that. They're like just, they care about people, all that. The Harkonnens are not. They're yeah. much more brutal, obviously. They're the empire. They're essentially, but the, they're well, not, though. They're they not, could, yeah. The Sardaukai, which are the, the like, there's that scene where they like, in order, well, no, to prep for the attack, they bring in like the three battalions of the Emperor's Guard, which are like those stormtrooper kind of guys that float down. Yeah. Those are like the greatest warriors in the galaxy. And so the fact that they show up to wipe them out, to help wipe them out, to ensure it is how they know that the emperor made a stand against house Atreides because mm-hmm. he's actually sends his own men to fight on behalf of a certain house to wipe out another, which is supposed to be a thing that like doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, the empire right. emperor is supposed to keep the balance between the houses. I want to rewatch the movie to see if they made that clear in the movie or not. I'm not sure they did. They, I well, don't know I, that they made it clear that they were like the empire's super soldiers. But I, they did make it clear that like their involvement was not supposed to be known in yeah. the in the big raid on Dune. When they're talking mm-hmm. to Lee at Kind, that's kind of the thing. Well, it's and, like they send their the Sardaukai after us, and they bring up a few times like, yeah, the Emperor distrusts House Atreides, and he wants them gone. <sighs> yeah, so he he takes the Harkonnens off of Dune. And reassigns the yeah, Atreides you caught there. that. The Harkonnens were on Dune for 80 years well, controlling yeah, yeah. the spice. Yeah, so, and then they and, left. And the they, Emperor just randomly has a move and gives it to the Atreides. Well, and, and they bring obviously up, it's for all these reasons. Yeah. They bring up in the movie, they're speculating, like, I think the Emperor's doing this to provoke the Harkonnens. Yeah. Or yeah. the Harkonnens into attacking us. Yeah, they are suspicious of it. Hmm. Um, Which, I, yeah, I mean, from this movie, that kind of seems like what's going on here is. Yeah. I, I mean, liked, the Emperor gave his troops to the Harkonnens and made all these moves that pissed him off. Now, in, in the movie, because I don't think I've picked up on it, but in the movie, did they make it clear why they wanted to do this? Why this decision was made? Um, the House Atreides is like, um, I mean, it's honestly, it's a lot like Game of Thrones. Like, they, it's this, they're the Starks. It's this noble house that poses but a like, big threat to the emperor the emperor because a lot of the other houses love and respect the atreides more than they are loyal but to the, the emperor empire. and the harkonnen and some other minor families if they want power mm. they want to extend their power and all that stuff so the idea is to wipe out one of the major houses that's still keeping the empire from being like corporatist did they did they make that clear in the movie or is that something that's going to come up at the end of the I second they movie allude like to the it? big reveal yeah it's one of those things i don't think in I the book i really power or whatever i think it's kind of there's not really i mean it's even they, in the book a lot of this is v- left very much up to context okay. yeah you just kind of like you, you just kind of gather that we don't really know their their reason other than you kind of gather in the book and maybe in the second movie you'll gather a little bit too Obviously, this is not really spoilers because it's all background. Mm. But like, um, you kind of gather that it's just that 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 it's the emperor's looking out for themselves. They've been in power for far too long, and it, they're becoming like the emperor. From what I gathered, was supposed to be like this balance to the houses, and different houses could end up being emperor. But this house has been the imperium for a long time and become corrupted, and you know, looking for their own to to consolidate their own power. So. Yeah. Uh, they happen to have the Sardaukai, which were supposed to be the... They say that in the movie, like, oh, they say the Atreides are the greatest warriors in the galaxy or whatever, and the Sardaukai dude's, like, second greatest. You know, like, everyone knows we're better, whatever, whatever. Mm. So um, I think my favorite thing that I'm sure you... I don't know if you caught, but it's so subtle for this movie was the Mentats. Yeah. Um, 
The what? The mentats. They were the ones with the little black uh, dot okay. on their lip. Um, and then there's that and scene with the Atreides mentat where he like computes everything. They're like, hey, what are the chances? And he like, his eyes kind of go yeah, milky for that a was second. Sick. Well, and that's that's essentially what the mentats are. They compute at a hyper speed and they like. They, this is exposition from later in the book series, I believe. But like computers are outlawed. Yeah. Do you notice the there's no computers? No, yeah. everything's analog. Yeah. Uh, which is, I love. So oh, yeah, the, it's great. Obviously, you, I, I that assume attention you, to detail in the movie was awesome too. Yeah. And I love that they didn't contextual. We didn't even get uh Piter's name. Yeah. They didn't even name Piter, which was the Harkonnen's guy with the black dot. They're Mentat. Mm. Uh, and he was a bigger character in the book. Although I mean, a bigger character. He's wiped out fairly <laughs> early Honestly, into the story. He's a big character. He's a bigger character in this movie than he was in the 1984 movie. movie. And they gave him a name in, in that one. In the 1984 <laughs> movie, Mentats were identified by their giant bushy eyebrows. And that's like, he was never mentioned. I don't even think he had a line. He was just the guy in the Harkonnen's I, scenes that yeah. had big bushy eyebrows. I this thought is, they called this him This is Python. the Baron's guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a, the other thing. All of them have a ment- Mentat, right? Yeah. Just the Mentats kind of compute. They're, that's why they're like these top generals to keep everyone safe and all that stuff. And that's why, after all their training and stuff, Thufiel, Thuf. Thufir, 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 how it, how theirs, the Atreides. That's why when they find the guy that like was sealed in the wall, he's like trying to resign. He's just like this huge thing that he would miss yeah. something like that. And he's like, if you want to freaking make up for it, go find some spies. Yeah, that was sick. That, yeah. was, a great, that was a great line. <laughs> and it's another great showing of what the house Atreides is. Duke Leto's like, he values people. He doesn't value you're you always being right he values what you strive for or whatever right well and the way people react to him being a fair duke mm-hmm. kind of shows that that's not the norm in this world yeah like that most of the other houses are pretty militaristic and yeah brutal yeah maybe not brutal but and that's like um like when with no patience when they first go to get the special suits from the woman who works with the uh, the Furman, the Fremen. Fremen, the Fremen, Liet Kynes, the one that takes him in the Thopter. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, and she's like, uh, I've met men like you, men like you have come here before. Yeah, like she's aware of that of this situation. Oh, yeah, 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 of what's happening. They go in the book. They go into her. Well, in the book, it's a male character, but they go into Liet's mind a lot as they're like the whole well, there, scene. There are several chapters in the book that are from Kynes' perspective. Yeah. Mm. Cause Kynes is watching all this. Like you said, I've seen all this before. And then if, I mean, they, she reacts relatively well, that whole scene with him saving the people and letting the spice go to waste. That means something to Leah Kynes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's also not something that she's seen much. I love what they did with the character in the with movie. Liet? Just in je- despite, the gender swap they did so oh, much gender more. Swap yeah, is fine. Well, we've talked about this before yeah. too. It's the perfect character to gender swap, but um, yeah, the gender literally means nothing. Yeah, but they did like they did a lot of justice to that character who was basically a throwaway yeah, character in the 1984 film. I think yeah. they mentioned the name once, and it was just some dude in the background. Same with Duncan Idaho. Yeah, Duncan Idaho was almost non-existent in the 1984. Jason Momoa's character. Yeah. And he's a huge yeah, character. He's, super <laughs> he's huge. Again, he's Paul's it, like brother. Like him and Gurney are like his family. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe we should just get this out of the way. In general, every character was done way more justice than in the 1984 yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of major characters and major character traits were kind of left by the wayside in the old movie. But they did a thing where, like you said, they in the books and in the, even in the old movie, they give you scenes. Like, But every scene in this movie revolved around Paul Atreides. Yeah. So every Which, instance and moment that you get, it's all he's a part of it, and it's all about how he interacts with these well, different characters. Dude which was really well done. Thick book. And like they're already splitting it into two movies. I think the way that you condense it down that much is by just following Paul's point of view. Oh yeah, and doing well, as and much as you can to keep that exposition in there from the other points. And of view. it's like, what did we lose? And all of the absurd long storytelling that was boring for you. On it was, it was slow for sure. Yeah, but in all that, there was a whole subplot about oh, we think there's a traitor like between Leah and uh, Jessica and Thufir. And like they, yeah, and they alluded to it, but that was definitely not as much of a and, subplot. Well, and that the goes movie. into a big long thing, an explanation about how Doctor Yui. Uh, no, there's no way it could be him. He's the one person in here that has like the that dot on his forehead has to do yeah. with his it, like it training. Signifies not just that he's trained, but that he's conditioned, conditioned to not so, betray. Yeah, basically yeah. brainwashed to be obedient. Yeah, so it's a huge thing. The book lays that out in a way to show you that like it is a huge thing. That he was the one. Yeah, they didn't make that super clear. In the no. Right. What, they, you they didn't did really make it clear with to. what the Harkonnens had on him. But yeah, with, with the way that they portrayed it, they didn't need to go into the whole yeah. Yeah. B plot. Yeah. Uh, you you get that feel. You get the betray the sense of really strong sense of betrayal in the scene where it's like uh, J I uh, Oscar Isaac's just kind of laid out naked and the dude walks in and he's like fucking Yeah. I was wondering how, how that hit you because like obviously me and Matt knew. Already, that, that, that was that he happen. was the traitor, and that all that was going down. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. How did, did that, that take feel? you by surprise? Um, well, there's so many damn I don't characters. Because, like, <laughs> like, at this point, no, I was this definitely point in the movie, looking for him to be ominous. No, like at this point in the movie, um, I was so everything was so slow and so so dry at this point in the movie. I wasn't super invested in it. So when he comes down, it's like, oh, he's a trailer trader. I'm like, that's when I start being like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. How did you feel of when that all hit you? Like everything's boring and slow, and it's you keep waiting for something to happen. And another scene happens where nothing's really happening. Yeah. And then, and then all bam. of a sudden, they take out those guards. And then there's like, then what's her name? The Fremen laundry maid or whatever is like dead. And then Leto shows up. And did you notice that they did the thing with the shields from the book that I liked where the, I think Gurney even says it where it's like uh, hard strikes or slow yeah, strikes, no, penetrate, a slow, blade, slow, a slow blade, blade penetrates, penetrates shields. Shield. And they do that. They show it. Yeah. Like if you, you can, you can get through shields, but it'll deter. And that's like a whole thing in the book is the reason this whole civilization has, because of shields and stuff has reverted back from like, laser weapons and stuff from each other like star wars style back to like fencing and blade fighting that's really cool that's a really cool uh aspect yeah it's the only way with the shields and stuff that's how you can get the close combat that's how you can take someone out because a blaster would just go right yeah. off of anyone and, that, and that's something that uh made this movie more interesting yeah. was like the close to, the close combat the fucking hand-to-hand -hand. yeah it's cool because even the sardaukai everyone's doing no one's really carrying i mean paul carries that uh, Molar well, pistol. Is that's called Molar pistol. Molar pistol. I believe so. Like, he there, has there it, but they never use it. And like, and like, obviously like the did. ships and stuff yeah. are shooting each other. Yeah. That's that is one thing that was never addressed too, because in that in the attack on um, Arakeen or 
however it was pronounced. I don't really remember the, Arakeen, the city. Yeah, the city on Arrakis. Um, in the attack on there, there was a whole big thing in the book explaining um, that there there's a special kind of gun. So like it's 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 a laser. There's a laser that if it comes into contact with a shield, it's like setting off a nuke. Yeah, the shield wall. And that, and that happened in the attack on Arrakis. It was laser guns, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's not there. That's that's why most people don't use personal shields on Arrakis. Right. Because the laser well, guns. They don't use personal shields on Arrakis because of the worms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It's Is it it's the gun, is it the shields around the city? Yeah. It's that kind of shield. It's like that's, and that, I thought the city shield was different than I expected it to be. I yeah, imagine I like freaking episode one formation not- or episode two. Yeah. With the like Jar Jar Binks society with the giant ball, <laughs> you know, like I expected that when they talked mm-hmm. about shield walls in the, oh, no. when they talk in the book, I always imagine just like a big ass rock formation around the city. Really? This shield wall, like it was, it was cool. It was like, they like, just, I think every, they the whole city was a just mountain range. shielded. Right. But yeah, that's the thing in the books. Whereas like, uh, a laser, a laser pistol. They're not called laser pistols. To a shield wall around the city would cause a nuclear. And that's another thing they touch on the books is every all the houses hold nukes. Yeah, all the houses hold atomics. That's dope. which is why yeah. that they don't have these conflicts. That's why it had to be so specific and like and, and nuanced this attack. That's why Doctor Yui turning them because there's a whole thing of Piter gets him. He breaks his conditioning and gets able to break him enough to get him. And obviously Doctor Yui regrets it. He sets the whole thing up to kill the Baron regardless. Yeah. He just wants to save his wife, but he feels bad about what he's doing. And he's, he's the reason, uh, is probably the main re- one of the big reasons that, that uh, Paul and, and Jessica escape. They didn't, you know, they bring the whole thing. The Baron's like angry and desperately looking for his ring. Oh, yeah. They dropped they all dropped of that. They dropped that. Yeah. The whole thing about the ring. I mean, the ring still held importance, obviously, the, yeah. with Paul to, to Paul, but. Like that's a whole thing. Yeah, that was another book, B plot. Was because that's the Duke's seal. Yeah, yeah, you don't destroy the house until you had until you take their seal. So that yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, that makes that feel way more important now. That scene, yeah, because like when I when I when I was watching the movie, that felt more kind of like oh, it's a memento of the past. But no, it's like oh, this. It has a real a family's super not deep dead. Meaning, meaning, yeah. yeah. Even though they all presume them to be dead after they fly into the storm. Technically, the family's not dead, but without him. Well, that's a whole element of the plot, too. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get more of in the second movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This movie, by the way, feels like uh, Deathly Hollows Part One. And I imagine that the second one is going to be like Deathly Hollows Hollows Part Two, where it just all of a sudden just balls to the wall. Yeah, I I mean, there is is still politics and slow burning in the second half of the book. Well, I I know exactly. It is a lot more action packed. This isn't a spoiler, but if they follow the book, they ended at that spot. If they follow the book, the next movie is going to be set three years later. Three to. Three to like, five. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. There, there were points in I the mean, book they, where I feel if like if they I, do that, they cut out a big chunk. Yeah, sure. If they do that, they will cut out a fair chunk. Um, well, but like, I don't know that it'll be necessarily lost. The, yeah. There again, it's it's basically just the exposition <laughs> nice. of. Uh, sorry, we all got distracted by Mikey putting the uh, the dead guy back <laughs> on top of the bottle. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I'm not used to the dude sticking up like that. So I'm like, oh, it's the cork side. It's not uh, the cork side. <laughs> my bad anyway yeah like yeah if they just skip ahead to the time jump they're gonna miss a lot of 
I don't even know that I would say exposition. There's one really big momentous scene between yeah, where yeah, the movie yeah, left yeah. off. I know and what you're time talking jump. about with Jessica. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's a, a good point. So they'll probably jump there. They'll probably start the movie slow, giving exposition, cover all that, and well, allow them to a rebuild lot of character a little development bit of for Paul in that little in that time before the time jump too. Oh yeah, because you find out like the probably, consequences of. They'll probably intro it yeah, with that yeah. and then just kick it like, off. Just like Death of the Hallows Part Two, where it starts with Dobby's funeral. Oh yeah. And then, and then, wait, like, Dobby dies. Spoiler you've seen, <laughs> you've seen Harry Potter, no, you've seen Harry Potter. I didn't just spoil it for you. No, um, uh, but I wouldn't care anyway. I would still yeah, go no, and watch you, it. You made that very clear earlier. Like, <laughs> I, I've had so many things spoiled for me, and it's like, I'm not gonna let you ruin this. I'm still gonna go watch it and enjoy it. Still enjoy it. Uh, Infinity War. I had the ending to Infinity War spoiled for me, like after opening weekend. Uh, who does that? Somebody I somebody I worked with at the time, like came into work on Monday and was like, "Oh, I saw Avengers. It was so good. Everyone died at the end." It was like, "What? Did was it Endgame <laughs> where they put the thing up. out there and like the whole world just agreed that we would give two weeks before anyone talked about the, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, the movie? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was pretty. Well, great. that's because everybody spoiled Infinity War. Yeah, it was, yeah. the people who. But I, you I can, think the people the who weren't aware that there was going to be a to it. Yeah. That's what impresses me. People were like, all right, screw it. I'll do it. Yeah. I really appreciated that. Yeah, no, I dug that too. Um, you want another ice? Could I please? Yeah, I'm very glad about it, especially because I definitely waited longer than two weeks after Endgame came out to go see it. Yeah. And nobody spoiled it for me. It was That's great. Nice. Do you want another one? Yeah, no, that felt like it lasted sure. a lot longer. Um, back to Dune. Did you catch the whole thing with the spice? Uh, that is super important. That uh, to the uh, Athraki's people, it's uh, it's like a nutrient to the Dothraki. Athraki's. <laughs> <laughs> right, Athraki's uh, uh, the Dothraki, yeah, so to the Dothraki's, it's kind of like they it's a nutrient kind of thing, but to uh, the, the emperor and the emperor and all them, uh, it feel it's the only thing that fuels the spacecrafts and shit. So it is like yeah. the it is the to the universe, it is the most important so thing. It, it doesn't so they fuel the spacecraft, but you you you're onto it, yeah. yeah. They essentially, they didn't explain it, but. Essentially, well, they didn't yeah. explain it in the first book either. Yeah, but well, they they kind of do because they no, explain. Well, they don't they, explain those they, specifics. Yeah. You're right, but you saw that the Bene Gesserit but have like power. They have the power of voice, and they yeah. have like the everyone. And then the, you saw how Doctor Yui kind of had this like almost like magical way that he kind of assesses Paul. He just kind of touches him and checks and kind of looks through. And the Mentats, you saw him compute and stuff. Yeah, essentially, the spice is like what gives everyone it's like the force in this world obviously well, but it's, it, it's, it's like used yeah. yeah but it's it's used in different with a obviously the Benny Gesserit use it to to uh train themselves to have these certain powers and then like the mentats kind of use it in smaller and different doses to 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 turn them into human computers and so like it's kind of everywhere they well, don't explain it like, but the, um, the, the, the sh- ship navigators are they're people who use it and it it helps them predict what's going to happen yeah the, the ships ship goes are analog like everything mm-hmm. else so yeah. they have these navigators that can use it to see into the future to navigate the ships they don't navigate the ships they fold space 
and basically move space around the ships. Interesting. It's, yeah. It's, it's complicated, like in, uh, which is probably why they didn't go crazy into it. <laughs> it's like in Futurama when the professor explains how the ship works, and it's it doesn't move around the universe. It moves the universe around yeah. it. Yeah. And that's an homage to, to Dune. It would yeah. have been, the movie would have been a little bit more interesting if they put that in there. Yeah, they tried to in the 1984 one, but it just got, it got, it got weird so, and convoluted yeah. and unnecessary. And they don't explain well, it in the books until the second book anyways. And also their depiction of the Navigators was... Yeah, grotesque it was weird best. and strange. Uh, but yeah, so this, I love that because the spice is like, so it's everyone can have the force. Everyone can kind of like go into it. They use it in different ways. The Fremen are immersed in it, which is like they, it's in their diet. It's part of everything. But the yeah. thing is it's with the what, Fremen. It's what causes the blue eyes. Yeah. And one of the elements, the big element of spice is elongated life. So the Fremen live longer. They don't explain that. They may not. They would have by now. Um, but the Fremen are just immersed in it. And other than that, they, they don't really have Benny Gesserit. It, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. average Fremen that we're seeing, like they don't have a bunch of people, even though they're submersed in it and they're living it and breathing the spice at all times. They're not, they don't all have like force powers of their own. They do have a weird, like interconnectivity though. Yeah. The, the community. Which they they don't thing, touch yeah. on it. It's tied yet, into their culture, but it, it should be brought like it should be um, explained in the second half of the movie that they do. I'm bummed it's, we didn't see like any a, sieges. It's not like a group telepathy, but it's no it's similar. Not group to, it's just it's it's, it, it's I similar. think it's, they it's have in a, their culture. It's embedded and kind of threaded into their culture. Like, and I think the culture connects them, and the spice is what gives the culture value, and that's what makes someone like Paul, who's not a fremen, able to become a fremen and join them, right? Because right? the spice is the connecting. Sorry, we're getting a little deep. These aren't really spoilers. No, but it's, it's it, so the spice does for the Fremen. <laughs> this book with is like, large, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. like you're a stoner, right? Yeah. You get stoned what? with somebody. You kind of. Uh, <laughs> I love how I ask. Like, yes, of course you're a stoner. Like, we talk about yeah, it all the time. Know? I that smoke, stuff you were smoking before. You see me. You watch me smoke. We <laughs> smoke and interact. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. But that's that's what I'm getting at. When you smoke and you interact with somebody else who's stoned, you almost feel a little bit connected to you're them. on the same level. That's kind of what the spice does for the Fremen. The and Fremen it does are just explain all that stoned the all the yeah, time. Exactly. Well, again, if they had put this in the movie, <laughs> would have been a little bit more interesting. See how, like, <laughs> I keep I keep talking shit on it, like because the movie does move really slow, but the way it all ties together at the end and the way the ending hits, uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I'm glad you did because I I definitely got the feeling a lot of the time that this movie was aimed at people who have read the book and want to see it brought to life. Whereas yeah. the 1984 movie attempted to make something that's, that appeals to mainstream I, audiences. And I appreciated it did that. Not work. I really appreciated yeah. that. They, they oh, went, they just said, for Hey, sure. they we're did, doing the, they did justice for people well, like us kind of doing what TV shows are starting to do on like HBO and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, well we're going to just do a movie that follows the book in this tedious way. And yeah. I think, I think it's worth it whether, cause the thing is whether it's a great Epic movie or not, fans which there are tons it's a huge book oh, you yeah. know like i know i i'm happy i can't wait i hope they do the part two and the second book and then I'll, that'll be more than enough for me i'd love to see them get to god emperor doom but i don't think they will dune messiah would, would be to interesting see. to see in a live dune action. messiah would be a fantastic ender ending yeah. for they would make well, the part of the book one this book one broken into two parts it would make it a perfect trilogy 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, say it, all that. Remember, it, I told you at one point. There's all this time between books. Whole. That's not necessarily true. The first and the second book are very close and connected. It's, okay. it's an extension of the first book. Right. The, well, the second book is the it's only after one that. That's, there's all these gaps. <laughs> the second book is the only one that's like a direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all everything sequels, else is kind but of, they're not direct everything sequels. I, everything else is kind of just set in the universe and like occurs after the events of the previous. You books. don't talk. You haven't read them. Yeah, but you no, I, you haven't you, read them. Okay, fine. That's exactly it's way a complicated, you explain it to me. Yeah, it's more complicated that because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Why don't we just keep talking about this movie we watched? All right, anyway, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. Anyone else get major Thanos feels from Gurney? No, really, no. I every now and then he'd say something and be like, "It's Thanos," it, it, which is weird because it's like I know him as Cable too, but like. He'd say something. Or that guy like, from the some Goonies. Reason it's hitting me as Thanos. <laughs> Thanos. Thanos. Um, do you know Gurney didn't have they're an did, instrument? The, no, yeah, Thanos. He didn't play the ballast set. They, they brought it up, though. They did? Well, although, to be fair, like, Gurney shines with the ballast set in the second half of the book. Yeah, but he has it a lot. In the he first. has it, so and that's they bring the thing it up. with Gurney, with Josh Brolin's character, is he plays this futuristic instrument as well. The, you heard him quote, like, verse and song and lyrics all the time. And Part of it is he's a warrior poet, so he's he always got this instrument, the ballast set. With well, him. and they do they do touch on it, like <laughs> like when he goes in to train Paul, and Paul's like, "Well, you're not the one who normally trains me how to fight. How about a song instead?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does say that, which yeah, is straight that. out of the book. Yeah. Did you say he gets better with it in the second half of the book? They didn't he die? They pay more attention to Gurney and the ballast set in the second half of the book. Like there are, there's a whole character yeah, he, development he thing there did a little him. spoiler there yeah. boy well, um let me just say this i didn't did you see him die no gurney didn't die mike blake no well we didn't see him die i know no they didn't ki- but they, they didn't kill a him very off on clear screen. assumption that they no, made there they, they made it they made he it led the charge it made it seem like the only two people to make it out of this thing was the mother and paul so yeah, that's kind of that's a spoiler. Well, you just spoiled it, Blake. Let's just say this: Duncan obviously got out of it, and there's like thousands, if not tens of thousands, of of them on both sides. So, mm. like with any war, uh, not everyone. It wasn't wasn't an absolute complete genocide. So, but yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert! Anyone at home that hasn't read the book, spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Again, it never even crossed my mind because they didn't kill him on screen. So I, I didn't even. Did you maybe, imagine maybe the thopters I, the way they are? The ornithopters? No, but I like the way that they did I it. I love the dragonfly planes. Yeah, that was really cool. That was really I, cool I, know, I didn't imagine. It. They called them ornithopters. I'm like, I don't know. I always just, just like imagined a helicopter. Yeah, some sort of helicopter. I don't know. I thought that was cool. Although I was sitting there like, how the hell does this work? How do they get the wings to do like it's a mechanical? I can see spinning rotary thing, but getting a thing to go like it seems like that would be much harder to achieve. Especially when they're the size of helicopter rotors. Yeah, yeah. And then like landing that thing. If you get too close to a helicopter, it's like, ooh, windy. But if you go too close to that thing, I was waiting for it just pop, 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 like it just <laughs> smack someone in the head like four times before they even fall. <laughs> but they were cool. They did yeah. look cool. The whole scene with uh, it, it coming out of the storm where, like, they break and then he's gliding down. Like, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. And it's like, oh, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And the last fucking wing comes out yeah. and they crash. <laughs> and they just crash and then just go. They also skip the scene where uh, they get the, like, sand avalanche. 
over Jessica and Paul. They did. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, but like obviously they they showed them coming out of the tent, which was buried under the sand. Yeah, the, they didn't ex- again. They don't explain it, but they one of the things in the book that they do. So those sand tents that they were in, where they like in the sandstorm, and him and Jessica were in the tent having his meltdown. Like the tents yeah, collecting their water. It's, and they it's drink the it. same technology as the suits, suits that they wear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you you did kind of gather. Yeah. Yeah. They don't okay. need to spell it out. That's but they give so much. But in the in the book, when they refer to going in and out of the tent, they use the word sphincter a lot. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, no, that was really yeah cool. and, and again, the I watched the that. Like, oh, like okay, a, that's yeah. where it really was. Like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. Kind of like a sphincter. Yeah, <laughs> I think because the idea that it completely closes, so he's like trying to explain the entrance as it's a, a sphincter, and so he says it'll like undo and enter, exit the sphincter of the tent, and I can't get over that in the I, book. I've got to you imagine that was less weird when he wrote it back in the sixties, but I can't imagine it wasn't. It's he was probably right in there, like that doesn't that doesn't sound off to you. He's like, "What? I'm it, the sphincter? What does it sound like? It sounds like a like a butthole." If I meant butthole, I'd say butthole. I said sphincter for a reason. <laughs> yeah, Dave. I didn't call it the anus of the tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't appropriate the word sphincter to mean butthole until 1973. <laughs> that reminds me. I remember like the first biology class I took in school. My teacher had to like stop class and spell out that there are multiple sphincters throughout your body and that it's not just your asshole <laughs> what because everybody would giggle every time she brought up a sphincter because it's funny yeah <laughs> it's and well, it only made it more hilarious that she lectured us for like 20 minutes on <laughs> the fact that there are multiple sphincters throughout your body i never i never got lectured on that what does that mean so a sphincter is just it's it's a, a hole yeah, it's it's a thing that opens, opens and closes. Opens and closes. Opens and closes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you have you have them all throughout your blood vessels and all throughout your digestive system and all that shit. Mikey, you're full of sphincters. <laughs> I I would I, I would have assumed so. You're more, you know they say the body's like seventy five percent water. It's also like four percent sphincter. Me, it's like eight percent sphincter. Nice. Yeah. This is a great opportunity for you to tell us what Ellis told us today. About Happy Monster. <laughs> my okay. son, for anyone curious, my son, his whole life has had a friend, an imaginary friend that it's more for fun. It's not that super real, but he calls Happy Monster. And we always, every now and then we get information. Oh, he's blue and he's got red spots Can or whatever, I, whatever. And then today he yeah. comes, he walks up to me and he's like, Nino, Happy Monster doesn't have a penis. He has two buttholes. <laughs> one in the front one and one in the, in front, the back. One in the back. And we all died. And I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Like, how does does he know which one he goes potty out of? No, he goes potty out of both of them. Uh, like, at, at the, the same, same time? time? Or does he get yeah. to pick? He was like, yeah, at the same time. We were like, does, does he have a uh, special toilet? Like he almost no. He, he almost sold me on this for a second because I was like, man, to be able to poop standing up, <laughs> just <laughs> do no, all my just business shoot, at a urinal. I mean, just Blake, shoot you all over your legs, man. Just how's your aim? <laughs> <laughs> like, what if you got one of those like really sloppy, droopy poops, or like you know, diarrhea, and it just you squirts out all, and it just sprays all over your legs? Well, that's why you it's know nice you can just do all your business in a urinal. Okay. Good yeah. to go. Gross. Yeah, you get like or, a little you know, special poop on a tree. And <laughs> <laughs> this the, is my tree. <laughs> yeah, you go up to the trees that kind of like sprout up a little bit and then form into two huge trunks. He's so awkward at one like a football stadium where they have the trough urinals. You're walking up to a bunch of dudes next to you. 
Hey, how's it going? They're just peeing. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. I got a little on you there. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's the best way to assert dominance in one of these drop heroes. <laughs> sorry. So I'm not sitting right. Like, to just go up to him and poop in it. <laughs> um, I think the Mentats have two buttholes. I'd believe I it. would not yeah. be surprised. I mean, I, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, super perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if I, if I took a bunch of spice and could just be a computer, I'd have two buttholes too. The, the bull that uh, took out the Atreides in the book, he has four horns. And they only did two horns. Yeah, they just had a regular bull. Yeah, that was kind of lame, but also I, I get it. Well, it, all the it, imagery is a little easier to they, digest when you're say, focusing other things. There was a lot more symbolism to it in the book too. Anyway, I don't or, know. Not, they did not, pretty good not, with the symbolism. Sy- yeah, I don't know. They just I feel like they kept talking about it a lot in the book. Yeah, well, like oh, he hung the head of the bull over here in the <laughs> new palace, and in the book they go into like how much Jessica later, hates it because yeah. it's so atrocious. <laughs> They've showed the portrait of. Uh, What's his name? Palu or whatever, uh, the duke's the duke's father, who's the one that was killed by the bull. But like mm-hmm. obviously the 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 imagery of it all, like the Atreides and Paul looking at his thing, like with the with the uh, Harkonnen threat and all that stuff, like the, the little bull dancer. Um, I thought they did a good job. I thought so. Yeah. How about okay? I got a question for you. The scene um, where the thing from. Uh, Star Wars episode two happens instead of a worm. It's a little needle guy that flies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's one of the ones on the episode. I was like, they still multiple like Lucas totally stole that because yeah. they, they did this like 15 years before. Yeah. <laughs> George Lucas. Well, no, no well, more. The, Cause the he didn't do that like 2000 like, something. We had, the book came out like 15 years before the very first yeah. Star Wars movie. To be fair, he used to, Lucas. used like a worm. Like organic worm. Yeah, but yeah. This I don't know. Piloted. Watching watching the movie, the only thing that really stood out to me in the vein of like, oh, Star Wars took a lot from it. The only thing that really stood out to me was I thought there, this Snarlack pit in Dune was a lot better than the Snarlack pit in Return of the Jedi. Mm. The giant worm. Yeah, yeah, no, we got it. Okay. So obviously, the Snar- he openly well, admitted that the Snarlack was inspired by Dune, didn't he? I Tatooine believe so. is clearly inspired yeah. by Dune. Yeah, for sure. So that was and that was a big thing that we covered in uh, in our book club when we were reading through this was like trying to communicate all of the Star Wars yeah. similarities. I'm to telling each you, other. you haven't read this far, but there is a book in the original series that is a Jabba the Hutt character. I love it. Just straight up. It's just because they'll never get to that movie. So I'm just going to tell you <laughs> there's a Jabba the Hutt character. Um. No, but like, what did you think of that scene? Because that came out of nowhere. He's like learning about the Fremen and whatever, whatever. And he's like looking at the bush. And then all of a sudden he catches that thing and he just goes still. We obviously knew all the details about whatever the hell that was called that I can't remember the details of. Um, but like, Hunter what was your Seeker. impression? Hunter Seeker. What Hunter was your Seeker. impression of that? Um, I thought that was my impression of that was like it's some kind of. Uh, was there a like, suspenseful like what the hell is going on like huh this must be obviously it's a threat like like i knew it was a threat i had no idea why it stopped right before it hit his eye 
Um, oh, yeah, or, they don't explain that it's motion. Like, yeah, it, it seeks movement. Yeah, because like it stops right in front of his eye, and then somebody comes up behind him, and he doesn't really realize it or something, and he t- moves out of the way. And grabs it. And then, but like, it, it, it didn't hit the person behind him. Oh, no, he no, caught he it right, caught it in right the before. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so that's, yeah, so did you catch that that's, it was going after that person because they were walking into the room? Yeah, it's motion. It's a T-Rex. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't catch. I didn't moving. catch it was going after that person because she was walking in the room because she was right behind him, and I I, don't, I thought like he was doing something to stop it, and uh, when he moved, he stopped it so that he could catch it. I didn't realize it was a motion sensor thing. Yeah, that is a. It it definitely played it, out like that in the movie. In in the book, they in the book it's a very intense scene that takes up like yeah. half a chapter. Well, and while Paul is uh, experiencing it, you're getting all the exposition of what it is, why he's reacting, because he's going through he his training. Because he knows what it is. He yeah. knows it's motion head, yeah. activated. And- That's the thing with books going to movies is like on top of all this convoluted, complicated detail that we're getting in this movie, like in a book, in this book in particular, you're getting everyone's thoughts as they're going through yeah. things, yeah. you know, like and, and they had to drop that and i thought they did a really good job of taking moments just acting them out like i saw a review someone was like oh jessica wasn't very well cast she just seems like a worrisome mother blah, blah, blah. but it's like i didn't that's catch that at all what, uh, but I, also that's she was like an that's kind of what badass. she is she is a, the, yeah that's the whole thing for like, the whole first section that's of the, the book. whole thing is she's supposed to be a, she's this badass that was trained but she sh- she's obviously like the benny jesuits aren't happy with her because she's showing love to her family yeah and uh that's obviously the whole point of this character is like that weakness is her strength. You well, know, right. what makes her different. And I thought like every, all those scenes where it seemed like she was freaking out until like, I've, I read a lot of depth in that, you know, like, cause in the book, obviously you're getting all this exposition about what she's thinking, what she's going through, how she's considering and, and perceiving all these things happening. But I, I felt like you were getting a full, like this, she, there's a lot going through her oh, mind yeah, yeah, yeah. while she's experiencing and a lot of emotions going on while she's experiencing these things. So I, I don't know. I didn't complain about that. Um, let's see. I had, was there anything that you were unclear of Mikey unclear of wait real quick before we move away from the hunter seeker thing completely. Did you put two and two together that that was related to the guy they found in the wall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I picked up on that. I don't know who the guy on the wall was or, but like, whatever. It, it didn't seem a, super important. It seemed like a kind of a they do away. they do say it. They're under they're <laughs> yeah. like they're under threat. Like they, that's what I took the away Harkonnen from that. Okay. sealed someone in the wall in order to try and assassinate six weeks before they arrived. Yeah. So that was yeah. That's all. That's really all it was. It was just the Harkonnens trying to make a play at getting the Atreides. But yeah, um, that was the guy piloting the little hunter seeker. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I found a list of things you may not catch. We've already talked about a number of them. Oh, here's something from the book, or at least I semi-book related. When the um when the Emperor's Court came to Caladan to announce that they were that the Atreides was being reassigned to Dune. Yeah. Did you catch that the um that some of them were in like Catholic y robes? Uh kind of. The Herald was kind yeah. of like I fancifully I, dressed. I caught on to that just because like in the book, and I don't think we're ever gonna end up with this exposition in the movie. Um but Catholicism is kind of the religion that won out. And that's 
the yeah the Imperium, the Orange the, Catholic the Orange Bible. Catholic Church is the church. It's like a of new the version Empire. of Catholicism. Okay, and that's like the whole thing that uh, Iraq is, is obviously has like a Middle Eastern feel and flair, and it, but it, but a completely custom religion. Yeah, uh, for the movie, but it's clearly inspired by that culture. So it's it's kind yeah. of a again the crusade in the book. It's a jihad, but in the in this they kind of in the. Previously, they said which, crusade, but they didn't actually say that. I don't think in the movie. Well, they just which said holy in war. general are kind of the same thing from the two different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's essentially what jihad means a, too, right? Is holy war? Yeah, it's a fascinating thing because in the books, like it's not. I mean, it is happens, but that's just kind of a subtle thing. They don't oversell it, over worry about it, or over focus on it. It's just kind of that's just the natural setting. Did you catch Mikey? Um, the I Benny, just yeah I. Sorry, I, yeah, it wasn't like a big part of the story in the books or anything. I just loved the attention to detail of throwing in somebody who looks like a Catholic priest. Yeah, no, for you sure, because that's that's the same level. Well, the Benny Jesuits kind of have a nun look to them. Yeah, in the books is just oh, they reference like oh, I you know, there was a Catholic Bible in this guy's apartment or whatever. Yui gives it to Paul in the book. That's right. Uh, yep. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, did you catch the Benny Jesuits? As she's leaving after they test Paul, uh, the Benny Jesuit mother that tests him like says to Jessica, like, we've paved your way uh, on Arrakis as much as we can or whatever she says. Did you catch that? No, I didn't catch that bit. Okay. Wait, this, you, this is uh, this is the Dothraki woman who goes that Paul <laughs> goes to see. Not Dothraki. Sorry, this is the Benny Jesuit Rick. Woman. The, the lady with the box. Yeah, the lady with the box. Yeah. She's saying it to Jessica. Yeah, as the mother. She's on the thing. She's like, we've prepared. Or while she's leaving, she says, like, we've prepared everything for you. Hold on, I have it. That boxing, by the way, it was really fucking cool. The, yeah. And the whole like, oh, this is this is to make sure you're not an animal, but you're a human. Okay, you like that whole your thing? emotions. That was, that I, was kind of. I badass. was very happy with how that was brought to life because that it played. It's same thing with a lot of this book. You get the character's inner thoughts in the book. So it's a lot more in depth. Yeah. But it plays out a lot in the same way. It's very, it's a very tense yeah. scene. Yeah. He, he, and you're, it's early enough in the book where you're still kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And, yeah. and Tim- Timothy Chalamet does a really great job of like going from that. I can't control it. I can't, I'm not in a control to, I have to, yeah. be, I have to be. Yeah, I know. Now, he does a great job. Did you, um, because it was a whole thing in the book that he was blown away when he took his hand out of the box and it was unharmed. Did you catch that at all in the movie that like his, he was? I just it, it did kind of flash on it for a minute I, that like it showed a look of shock as he was examining in his the hand, visions. But, in the visions, it showed him burning to a crisp. Yeah, and in, in, in the visions, that's what. It, like yeah. I saw the moment where he, like he pulls it out and he hesitates, looking at his hand. I, I did catch that. Wait, I think the visions of his hand burning to a crisp were from the 1984 nope, movie. No, 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 I saw that. How did I, how did I not it pick up on that? It wasn't in the 1984 one. It was like bad CGI of like fire on his hand. And this one, yeah. he was like seeing the future and he was like reaching out and his hand like turned to a pillar of ash. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Um, no, so the Bene Gesserit just, say as they're leaving, uh, a path has been cleared for you on Arrakis. She says that casually to Jessica. And they don't touch on that again. Well, they do. They, um... 
Because when all the all the Fremen see Paul and they start chanting, uh, well, yeah, yeah, but they don't explain it. And then, yeah, because like, like, well, doesn't know no, how no, that's like, okay, well, like, no, And then wait, Jessica Jessica mentions like, oh, the Benny Gesserit have been here before and have and throughout the movie with the Fremen throughout the movie, the first the, every Fremen you interact with are aware of Paul. And like so, uh, the one dude at the beginning when Jason Momoa's character brings the guy in, and I, I love that little bit he spits. Oh, Stilgar. Like, and they're like, oh, that's offensive. It's like, no, no, that's how they show respect. He gives you the moisture in his body as a side of respect because yeah. of yeah. the desert. But when he's leaving on his way out, Paul's like, please join. You'd be honored. And he says in their language, he says, uh, I recognize you. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, the woman, who, when she's interacting with him with a suit, and like she's like, oh, shit, like have you ever worn these suits before? Yeah. He's like, no, I haven't ever worn these. Before. Like, but it's, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You did this. This is how, this is what I was styled yeah. doing. It's like, oh, it just makes sense. But she says something in her language, in the language then too, of like, on the, along the same right. lines of like, I recognize He you. will know our ways as if he was born to them. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's right. Another, that's another line ripped directly from the book. That was sick. And that was, uh, <coughs> I love that they keep saying this and doing this in the Fremen language and Paul, is the only one who like reacts like he understands. Yeah. And the, in general, the way they do this with all the uh, all the different languages and the secret languages and well, they casually like, mention Jessica real quick. have their own sign language. Yeah, I, I noticed that um, too. That was that was awesome. Well, they casually mentioned the beginning when he's like, "I want to go with Duncan to Arrakis early." He's like, "I, I, they, you know, they're going to be speaking a different language. I can help with that." He says that, like, so obviously yeah. languages is his kind of thing or whatever. I mean, yeah, he's been studying it. It's not like he's. It's not yeah. like he just understands this language. But, but yeah. so the whole point here it's, is the it is interesting that like they talk in in their language like they expect him to understand and he's the only one in the room who ever does. Mm. So the Benny Jesuits that's the whole thing. They have a practice. I forget what the hell they call it actually. I might have it. Um Oh God! The the Missionaria Protectiva. Yeah, that's a part of the Benny Gesserits because these are thousands of year old like uh, leagues or whatever. How would you recall it? Like brotherhood, sisterhood, twenty thousand leagues it's under nuns. the yeah, past. It's nuns. So in ten thousand years, this is what nuns will be. I so they're it. like <laughs> nuns. Well, that's what the Benny Gesserit are, right? We we just talked about it. They have kind of a Catholic. Like I said a they kind of look like nuns. I don't know if I would consider them nuns. I mean, if Catholicism is the religion that wins out, I'm sure that they're an offshoot of that. And nuns I say, are how many nuns I don't know, you know dude, that the run voice, their own shit with their own magic? The and voice stuff. Well, and the visions I mean, and the magics, they I mean, seem the kind of a culty witchy. The nuns have been around telling, you know, prophecies and shit to the lay people. Once we get onto other worlds, they're going to start going and telling those prophecies to aliens, too. And we're going to end up where we are in Dune, where the Missionaria Protectiva is going around to different worlds and essentially delivering prophecies so that when Benny Gesserit return. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Blake. I think that's a stretch to say they're nuns. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get where you're coming from. But that, so the Missionaria Protectiva is they, they've planted seeds on all kinds of different primitive worlds over the millennia where they, uh, they try and give an opportunity, like some sort of prophecy in their religion and culture and stuff like that about an off-older that meets the Bene Gesserit criteria so that they could kind of basically BS their way into being considered like a god if mm. they're in like a tough place and need to protect themselves or survive. Well, and and, and so generally that's what's too, happening here. They kind of casually mention it, but they kind of embrace the prophecy of like Paul's just kind of 
oh, he's just the super, you know, like he's the one or whatever. Yeah, but, well, it's right. like, well, and, something and I, generally, too, this applies to like when the Bene Gesserit go to a new world, that world has sort of a reverence for the order so that once they learn that that woman's a Bene Gesserit, they kind of respect her. Right. So, because that's that's the whole point is they they want everybody to know who they are so that they're not harmed. Right. Um, but something it seemed like uh, when they were talking about Paul being the one and shit, um, it seemed like they only have girls. The Benny Jesuit. Benny Jesuit. Yes. They only have girls. So Paul was. So Jessica intentionally had Paul as a boy. And let him grow up and be raised and shit, but she was that wasn't something that was supposed to happen, and that's kind of what she wants and him to be the to one. Catch that it's weird that yeah. So the one is the Kwisat Haderach, which is what they call him. We're probably butchering so many of these yeah, pronunciations, but, he, but the movie uh, did too. So that's where she's <laughs> like, she's maybe he's the one, and they're like, we'll see. I don't know, but like that's the whole thing. Generally, boys aren't don't receive Benny Gesserit training. Um, right. But well, they have been trying to breed. They have a very complex, you'll learn, we'll get more into that, but in the second movie probably, but they have a very complex, long standing uh, breeding program where the Je- Benny Jesuit, like you saw, there's like one of See, one of them well, is. I mean, uh, I'm glad that you caught. That's culty. I'm glad that you. It is It is very culty. I'm glad that you caught too that they alluded the to her making breed. the decision to have a son. Mm. Yeah. Because that it, that's a whole thing is the Benny Jesuit are meant to give birth to daughters yeah. who will then be raised to be new Benny Gesserit. And that's the way they preserve bloodlines. This is the way. Yes. Yeah. This but that's, the way. yeah, they're just, and they're basically all paired up with nobles. But and they've been, the whole yeah, Benny having that purpose has daughter. been to eventually yeah. breed the male that has the perfect genes and balance to, uh, bring about to be the quizzy Hatterack to bend and see past time and space or whatever, right? That's what they say, I think. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, so, and that, and the mm. way they and the way they build it up with him and the visions and like where they start at is just kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of having dreams. And then as the movie goes on, and this like these visions start occurring in like really intense after moments. After he breathes in the spice, yeah, like he starts having uh, waking dreams and shit. So you start seeing like. Uh, everything they're talking about start coming into effect. He there's a beautiful scene I really loved. He's having those dreams while they're loading the thopters and stuff, and he's like kneeling in front of the the harvester or whatever. And right when Gurney's like running up to grab him, Paul, what are you doing? He does the thing where he says it from the training exercise earlier. Like, I'd recognize your footsteps yeah. anywhere, old man. Yeah, and he's realizing he's hearing it through the sand, like he's still recognizing yeah. Gurney's footsteps. I, I thought that was powerful. I don't remember that from the book. I don't because his first spice trip in the book was, was not in the there. tent with Jessica. Yeah, it was not there. It happens after the uh, crash. But I, I have no complaints with how they right. did it. I think they played that out beautifully yeah. too. Save some time again. That was a very long, drawn out part of the book where they really went into deep detail on what the spice was well, doing. Well, it gives you a, an inkling into it. Because when he's in the tent with Jessica, there's that's the whole thing. Oh, there's spice in here with us. Yeah. And he's breathing and he's having these visions that are even stronger than the ones he had at the whole Thopter moment. So. And then and then he has his fucking breakdown. Yeah, you turned me into this freak. You turned me into this freak. That was crazy. Uh, Again, yeah, like the whole thing played out very beautifully. He turned on Jessica for a little while in the book. And yeah. 
He did take. Well, yeah, I'm he, glad that didn't. I, I'm glad they didn't linger on that shit too long in the movie. Yeah, yeah that would have bugged the hell. Again, out of it me. was definitely very much more drawn out in the book. Yeah, in the book because that's that's that whole area is when he has those initial visions that he has. That's the whole. He has the conversation with his mom after those well, initial that's, visions. That's where he has them in the tent where he's like, "I know you have a baby in you." Yeah, or whatever. Well, like, that's, that's, that all happens in the tent, which is a big long scene. Which I'm kind of happy they spread well, it out. And that's also when they first go into like what the spice is doing to Paul and yeah. what it's. Caught, you know, and him realizing that his dreams aren't just dreams, that he's actually, you know, yeah, predicting shit. Mm. Kind of. I mean, they, there's some figurativeness in it, yeah, too, cause obviously. Because like, um, at the end of the movie, I really I really liked that last fight scene. Because, like... He's seeing his own death the, with a bloody knife, right? The, yeah, and the vision yeah. keeps happening over and over. They're, they keep pull, pulling back to it, and they keep focusing on the blade. And then she goes and hands him the blade. And then he goes to fight the dude in this in this fight, and he goes to hit him, and he's like, "Do you yield?" But he and they're like, "He can't yield." This is a fight to death, and he keeps getting to that point. Uh, Paul, this is Paul fighting yeah. the dude. Um, he they, he gets into that point of just like fucking just yield, just yield, and he won't do it. And he finally has to accept that he has to kill this person. Yeah, and he had like he has to go through this. And um, I don't remember if they said it before or after, but uh, it was mentioned at one point, uh, death of another, uh, taking another life is like uh, your own death. Yeah. yeah. And so when he's having the visions of himself getting stabbed with this blade, and then he has to stab this guy, you realize that it's the vision is he dies by using this blade to kill another. In a sense, he is killing himself with this blade. Yeah. By killing someone yeah. else. Yeah. Paul, it's, uh, Paul dies so that whatever the fucking name is, can rise. Quetzal Hadarak. That's what I it believe. is. Well, I mean, that's... Don't say we, the other name. Yeah, we haven't touched Don't on say this the yet. Other name. We're not there yet. Although they... No spoilers, Although, No, 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 no. I, yes, I, I know what you're Drogo. saying, and he I'm not... He calls himself Cal Drogo. I know what you're saying, and I'm not going to bring that up. I am going to say that... You know nothing, Paul Atreides. <laughs> there is one thing in the, uh, in the movie that they didn't Summer do in the coming. book. Sorry. <laughs> they keep calling him the... Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they kept calling him the uh the Mahdi. The Mahdi. Well they know they do that in the book, don't I they? Don't, no. Not that I uh, he was it was the uh what what's the other word? Lisan Al Qaib. That's the they, Oh yeah. They like they pretty much just use that term. Huh. So I, I'm starting to wonder if the Mahdi is a variation of the other one. Uh, I don't yeah. think so, because he chooses that one. Well, that, we can't well, talk about this right now. This is for the no, next no, no, no. movie. We'll talk about it two years. No, no, I know. But, Maybe three, but that, man. That's Shit, I, I, I did just want to touch on it. I'm kind of trying to dance around because I don't want to spoil this for Mikey. I'm, but like, Then why do this what, dance? What we're talking about and what hopefully everybody who stuck around past the spoiler warning knows uh, is that that actually was touched on throughout the book. Wait, it's him seeing uh, in the visions like what his um, oh yeah he knew his like name. what his yeah. fremen name would be and, yeah um, he, you're right you're right they could in the book at this point he had seen it in his visions a number of times he had see, they did the visions very differently he had seen a number of things like he, although he does see like the holy war yeah uh, but when I imagined it in the book like because well, those moments where he's seeing himself and the people fighting all the fremen all over the worlds fighting for him like I imagined a lot more like legions with flags and like slaughter yeah. and like it, this seemed not that i yeah. uh i i got the vibe watching the movie that at the end of the movie 
where it ended, he's had a lot more visions than we know about as an audience. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like, especially sure. when he's they the double way back, started, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like the way he keeps having visions, like super quick cut, fast pace, and then he drops the shit in there, like, I know you're pregnant and all of that. Yeah. And he's aware of what some stuff that's happening. It's a good point. Um, like it, well, it feels also, like he's, he's seen more. He's seeing more than what we're seeing in the visions that we see on screen. Yeah. Which, I mean, is almost always the case when you have a psychic character because there's only so many ways that you can depict that to an audience. Yeah, you can't That's give everything true. away. That's true. You lose the magic of their psychicness. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't just you can't just have them see a scene that happens later in the movie. Yeah. Because then you're just reusing footage. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, um, let's see. Oh yeah, no, that's all I got from this list. Oh, I took a so I saw a review I was gonna bring up. I thought you might appreciate this play, because I thought compared to the nineteen eighty four movie, way different. Yes. Very, uh, very I, different. This was the book you incarnate. If you didn't well, if you <clears throat> hadn't read the book and like and you didn't know the titles of the two movies, yeah. if you watch them, I think there's so <laughs> like they're so wildly different. <clears throat> They'd almost they, be completely different movies. Yeah, you you almost Dude, wouldn't tell that they're the same story. Yeah. yeah, they change so much. They introduce in that eighty four one. They like bring characters from the second book into the first. But book. But then they leave out characters from the first book. Yeah, it's a it's a like, wild thing. Yeah, like we said, Duncan Idaho was just a throwaway character in a like little scene. It was literally the um the scene where he comes back from whatever mission he was on while they're still on Caladan. And Paul runs up the, the whole scene where he's like, oh, did you gain muscle? Yeah. No. <laughs> that that whole like, scene. Oh, yeah, did I? That, did I? That, that was the only moment in 1984, or the 1984 movie that Duncan Idaho was in, and it was literally just like Paul goes up and shakes his hand and says, hello, Duncan Idaho. And then, yeah. And then that's that. <laughs> like all super yeah you should see the like, shields uh, the shields that they use in the 84 movie it literally oh, looks like a, like an old reality shows when you had to blur out background people and it was all pixely that's the vibe yeah. i got from the shields in the 1984 movie okay Let's see if i can find a picture of them over there oh, kind of it's like hard to tell in just a picture yeah there you go that's <laughs> what so the shields look they put on their shields and it looked like that polygon. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like little polygon <laughs> CGI bodysuits. That was like a shitty video game. <clears throat> yeah. It's quite bad. <laughs> it looks like they're they're trapped. It looks like a knockoff frozen in carbonite. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Did you hear that apparently there was supposed to be a Dune made before the 1984 one? I think you knew about this. You told me that Pink Floyd there, was supposed to do the music. There was one that was slated, but I don't remember what uh um, It never even got through it. pre-production because the price got... The guy that wanted to do it, it's like a French movie guy. Uh, he, well, and he there got have like, countless TV movies in between yeah. Dune 1984 well, this and this was like one. 1975 or 73 or something right like that. Right before Star Wars. Yeah. And this guy, but this guy like... Uh, he got um, oh god, what's his name? The dude that did the art for or the sculptures for uh, uh, Alien. Oh god, what's his name? The artist. I wish I knew this off the top of my head, but I can't help you. Well, anyways, he had like Salvador Dali was supposed to be in it. Okay, right? uh, hold on. Let's see, Dune. Like I always forget that he's like. It. 
I was, in it. He was supposed to play the, not the Baron. I always was forget it? that his work was relatively modern because I always think of him as like 1800s. Yeah, yeah. right. You forget. No, because like that's that's how I see all artists. Like yeah, you could name an artist well, that was like 50 years all, ago. But all like, the yeah. iconic artists to me are like Jodorowsky's. from the classical era. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Van Gogh and Michelangelo, Da Vinci. So I wasn't even going to go that far. I, I, I was also thinking Picasso, but no, Picasso is also a relatively modern artist. Warhol. Andy Warhol, also a relative, uh, a recent artist, the 60s. At, at least Warhol I knew was relatively recent. But yeah, Pablo Picasso and Salvador Dali, I always think of like, oh, they were alive in the 1800s. Yeah. No, they were, they might have been born in the 1800s, but they lived into like the 60s. Yeah, 70s, apparently. I wish I could find the dude's name that did the alien stuff. Uh, I'll find it eventually. But so this was like, uh, 1975, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. It was going to be in French. Um, they're making a documentary about it. Dude, imagine he getting this movie up before Star create Wars. Create a sacred experience that would also give LSD hallucinations without the drug. Nice. So he had like all these weird designs. Like, here's one of the ship designs. The ships were like oh, these God. Like, kind of bizarre human-looking things that their mouths would open. That would have been so um, cool. And then, like, so, like, apparently it was supposed to be... They got uh, Pink Floyd on board to do all the music. Uh, they just had to say LSD. They were like... Yeah, right. I mean, couldn't they just make <clears throat> the movie sync up with a <clears throat> Pink Floyd album? I so mean, that's that's it worked for Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Salvador Dali was supposed to play Shaddam Carino IV, the emperor that we haven't met yet. Um, <clears throat> where was it? Uh, oh God, now I can't find it. Uh, Orson Welles, uh, lost kind of maker. Sorry. Another person I forgot lived into the seventies. Cause I always associate him with like the, the, time and, the time and place where like radio was the only entertainment. Yeah. Boy. War of the worlds. He did war yeah. of the worlds on over the Back radio. When radio was the out. only entertainment. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Pink Floyd was supposed to do all the music for uh, the Atreides and Caladan. And then there was another band, another big band. I can't, I don't see him on here, but they got a... Uh, was it Toto? No, it wasn't Toto. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Oh, God damn it. I cannot find his name. Is it the Beatles? No. Frank Zappa. Uh, okay, he signed a reluctant Orson Welles to play the blimp-like Baron Vladimir Harkonnen by promising him to hire a gourmet chef from his favorite restaurant in Paris for the entire shoot. Oh my God, why couldn't <clears throat> this movie have been made? I want to see this movie <laughs> so bad. Dolly <laughs> insisted on being the highest paid actor in the world. <clears throat> Negotiated $100,000 a minute on screen. So the the, the, the reason this never got made is because they kept promising they were going to make this perfect because he got the green light and he kept promising and bringing everything he wanted and promising whatever it needed to get them to make it. And it just became so expensive. They were like, we, we can't. We yeah. can't make this the movie. <laughs> but like, they storyboarded the entire movie, uh, which was set to be up to 14 hours long. Wait, is that what happened Holy with the... Uh, yeah. Is that what happened with Tim Burton's Superman movie? Uh, I don't know. This no. seems like the, that same because like they had a script completely written. They had the whole thing casted, and then it just never well, happened. It was like because like they had this script written by Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith came in and he did treatments on a script from another Superman movie, and then or no, they let him rewrite it, the entire movie. And they're like, "Oh, this is a really I good movie." I remember he wrote a, he 
he has a thing he talks about with the giant spider. Yeah. That was supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. Because yeah, right. yeah. John Peters was apparently it was like it came out right around the same time I was Wild Wild West and John Peters, who produced it, was super interested in the giant spiders. That's so funny. Or maybe it wasn't John Peters. And anyway, I, I but, remember hearing Kevin Smith talking about that, like that movie got shelved and then he went and watched Wild Wild West and he's like. Oh, he finally got his giant spider. <laughs> yeah, but no, because like Tim Burton, they brought Tim Burton on. And when Tim Burton came on, Tim Burton brought his own writers. And then everything just went to fucking hell because they started trying to cast like Nicolas Cage and shit. Yeah. I still would have loved to have seen what the hell they were trying to do with Nicolas Cage as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> like I just because I, it, it had to have been something off the wall because nobody was looking at Nick Cage at the time and going like, oh, yeah, Clark Kent. Yeah, like Tim Burton had an idea and he was going somewhere with it because it's like it's Tim Burton, like Tim Burton making Batman kind of makes sense because Batman's so gothic, but making Superman, that doesn't make any fucking sense. That's that's why I have to believe there was something more to it. Yeah, that we never get to see because. Well, it never happened. (laughs) I, I guess the script is public now. Like you can go out and read the script. Yeah, probably. I, I think they but probably I don't even made know a if documentary about it. H.R. Giger, by the way, oh, the guy okay. that designed the Xenomorphs. Okay, he's like he was huge in all those kind of movies and stuff. But it, he was like going to be doing the. He was hired to do this before he did anything else, and it was from his work because they storyboarded, did all production designs and everything for Dune, and uh, that's one of the reasons a guy like that got hired onto. Uh, um, isn't that also the guy that invented alien. the thing that like when you get close to nuclear stuff it clicks no that's Geiger yeah good one Blake I'm dumb <laughs> and, yeah that was that was an awful joke I really wish I was <laughs> above that but I'm not it's cool man hey fucking do you boo boo it certainly would have been wild I mean, look, look at the listen. poster I don't know why but they do it would have been wild man a 14 hour LSD hallucinogen hallucination the guy was like uh, Wait, was it really slated at like 14 hours? That's what they're saying. There's no, no way. It, it would have this had to have gone through so many rewrites and the edits. The thing is, like, it was the 70s, man. You never know. Like, it's an arts piece. Because, like, I saw a little documentary with the guy that did it, Jodorowsky or whatever his name was. And, was like, Timothy Leary attached to it? Because I feel like that seems like something he'd be attached to. Uh, probably. He, uh, so he, oh, God, he, um, he had never even badass. read it. He was like, the so-and-so producer told me we want to do something. And I was like, let's do Dune. And they're like, why? He's like, well, I never read it. But my friend, whatever, whatever, said it was perfect for it. So I said, let's do it. <laughs> like, okay. I would love to see a Dune movie that was made by somebody who had never read the book. I, I don't know if he ended up reading it or what. But, like, the designs are fascinating, man. Like, but it would have gone out to like look at some of these art pieces from the storyboard. Like it would have gone into some bizarre. I think it probably wouldn't have been very true to the story. No, given that they I, wanted an LSD experience, I'm sure we would have gotten like Paul as like some Jedi character. Like given the the art we're seeing here, where he's like having his own psychic experiences in the desert. <laughs> you know, like so. Well, I mean, the spice is a hallucinogenic drug. The spice, 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 <laughs> spice. So it makes perfect sense. I'll <laughs> get some spice. Anybody else get the vibe that Paul's like a Jesus allegory? No, I no, not that. at all. <laughs> like no. 
You want more than that? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, no, he's clearly a Jesus allegory. Uh, once again, well, I love I, mean, I love the, the, the Jesus allegories like Matrix, is, where they kind of do the like uh, Gospel of Thomas thing, where it's it's yeah. that Jesus rising above the rebirth. I mean, I know that's a lot of that is the Jesus allegory itself, but. Wait. Did you want some more? Is that a Gospel of Thomas? I thought Gospel of Thomas was literally just the collection of Jesus quotes. Well, the Gospel of Thomas idea was like the rising through the pleroma, like the idea that like ascending <laughs> past right. yourself. Okay, hang on. I don't I don't know a lot about religion. So like real quick, simple, simple questions. So like the Gospels are all right now and the Gospels tell the stories of Jesus, but the Gospel of Thomas is all just Jesus quotes. Well, so, first up, the so Gospel of like, Thomas is not in the Bible. So, so wait, yeah. wait, wait, but that, it, that's a whole big thing. But it's just Jesus quotes. No, well, it's it's it's, it's Jesus Thomas quotes, including him. like parables and that kind of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, asking D- all doubting these questions. Thomas. Yeah, I see, yeah, and he, that's like him. And but, those, it, but it's not like it's not like the Thomas's Gospels in gospel the Bible is. where each gospel where each one's like a narrative. It's a lot less of a or it's a lot looser of a it's narrative more like than a the dialogue. ones in the Bible. It yeah. feels like it's just. A guy asking Jesus all these questions and Jesus giving him answers, like so they're just so having. It's like, it's, a, it's like a Plato book. It's like a friggin' podcast. Yeah, it's like Joe Rogan. It's like if Jesus sat down on the Joe Rogan experience. It's an interview. <laughs> Rogan would just be like, "Yeah, but why? What happens there? What's the pleroma? Have you ever tried DMT? Yeah. <laughs> I can see why they left it out of the Bible. <laughs> they weren't fans. There's like a whole uh, gospel of Judas that repaint that like well, from people that followed the sect all of Judas. All 12 disciples and Paul all had gospels. Yeah. A lot of them, only four were chosen to be in the actual Bible because that's when they, they had to cut it for time. Yeah, kind of, they had to cut it for <laughs> time. Constantine was like, there's too many. We got to cut it for time. Um, our budget is our budget doesn't cover this. We have to cut it. I love the idea. I want more information about that era before Constantine consolidated the Bible because Christianity was all these different little well, subcults. Yeah, Christianity wasn't followed, a unified religion. Yeah, was, they were like following the teachings of Christ via this apostle that taught it. Well, it was it was you know, almost like it's fascinating. It was almost uh, and polythe- Judas was one of them. It was the Gospel yeah. of Mary. It it was almost polytheistic in nature in the same way that like. In ancient Greece and ancient Rome, you know, it wasn't one consolidated religion. Every god in that pantheon yeah. kind of had its own mythology and its own followers. So th- there that, were- that was that, but with the disciples who were all lenses through which you saw Jesus. Yeah. So like, so wait, wait, what you said was, going back for a second, what you said was, followers of christianity before like a consolidated bible where like everybody would follow like yeah the they were all different apostle yeah like yeah cults like yeah, in like the, little... the assassin's creed games yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh the cults that would follow uh the gospel of thomas nothing would ever really get done because you'd be sit there and be, wait why why are you doing it like that though no no we're Dude. gonna build this house no no but like why are you gonna cut the wood like that you should cut the wood like that right no no, no you want to cut the like yeah but like why why do you want to use those nails it's funny you're making that joke, but you're not that far off. Like for Thomas, it's not like that. But there's like one of them. Uh, which was it? The one that practiced sex sex magic. I don't remember. I want to say John. Gosh. Was it because uh, John? John the Baptist also had his own oh, gospel? Yeah, yeah. And- there was one. It was like all about meditation through orgasm. I cannot uh, no, remember I think, which one. I think one. that might have been the my go- favorite I, way to meditate. That might have been the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Oh. No, I don't know if that was... she was a whore. <laughs> I 
I don't remember. There's a whole thing. It's like a kind of yoga that's still practiced by people. Like it ended up being like a shoot off that Christian went. yoga. Yeah. Well, it, 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 obviously it's not very Christian, but it went Sounds off like into Christian a more modern science, but yeah. Right. But yeah, there was cults that practice sex magic and uh, dark magic and like oh, all yeah, there this was different like blood stuff, magic man. And, yeah. It, it, the, all the like, occult stuff is yeah. based on that. Like when you hear about like uh, Crowley and um, I was going to say, that's where a lot of the, all whole, the SS like, guys that were in Hitler's crew that were all into the occult stuff, like the Holy Grail, all that stuff was kind of tied into well, this all, era. All yeah. that mythology in general surrounding like angels and demons that doesn't make it into the Bible came yeah. from all these different cults because it it's was apocrypha. Well, I mean, it was there. There's a whole thing. And even even the modern Christian faith has this, too, where like. The religion was adapted based on local religions and paganism. Yeah. Like yeah. like Halloween kind of and merged Halloween with other has deities. kind of been adapted into a Christian holiday, but that was a pagan thing. Uh Christmas was a pagan thing. It's almost like a step um, into modern. Easter was a pagan thing. And they've all been kind of co opted by the church. It was the same thing with all these cults, and that's how Everything you get all this weird mythology. So everything was pagan until the church decided certain things weren't pagan. Well, uh, we better well, hold again, on tight to like Arbor Day and stuff before Catholicism yeah, comes and right. knocking. But no, like uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, you like Labor Day, do you? <laughs> Guess what? Well, that was like, uh, I mean, that's Sorry, like a whole it. thing is before the uh, there was an organized church that consolidated the Bible religions all coexisted like in a way where it was like, let's, yeah, let's not well, forget that it came like along the, with stomping out all of the sex until everyone was the exact same religion. Yeah. There was that. Too. There was and that the part sex of it. No, magic. No, but there was, <laughs> but there was like, you know, when the Greeks came to Egypt, they recognized each other's religions were j and were just like, Oh, these are my gods over in Greece. These are your gods here in Egypt. Even the Romans. They just, yeah. They were just like, they, Oh, they, that's yeah. your God for my God. Yeah. They were just like, yeah, we got the same God. Like, cause yeah, the like, idea is the yeah. gods are based around a feeling, a human experience or well, whatever. But, but like it was like, like, the, and shit. like yeah. the religions yeah, yeah. were almost kind of localized. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. My God's back in Greece. You know, your God's oh, yeah, here there in was Egypt. a lot of that too. Yeah. Or like even, even in the old Testament in the Bible, they refer to this a lot where it's like, yeah, well that's your God. That's not my God. My God does this. Yeah. And <laughs> my God could kick your God's ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and well, I, I mean, considering other religions got stamped out, I kind of think <laughs> the Christian God did kick the other gods' well, asses. Well, no, it wasn't the Christian God could kick other gods' asses. <laughs> it was Christians could kick other gods' <laughs> followers' asses. So, so maybe that's like the Christian God Genocide. got his ass kicked, but then we were all like, "We can't kick my dad's ass. I have to kick your dad's, or I have to kick your ass now." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our gods, our gods are taking too long <laughs> to set up this fight. We're just going to fight ourselves. <laughs> well, it seems like we chatted through a lot of Dune already. Um, we don't have much else to say. Do we have an interesting archive? Um, pull anything up for so Dune? So I did since when we did our episode on the 1984. On. Is it really? How the, why is happens. my flashlight on? Because um, we're recording in the dark. Yeah. That makes perfect yep. sense. <laughs> oh, I turned it off. Where'd you guys go? We're having light switch raves. Okay, give us the archive. <laughs> All right. So, like we did with the 1984 episode, I pulled up the uh, IMDb trivia for this movie. For, yeah. Okay. So uh, the the very first one that uh, Duncan Idaho was, is from Montana. Yes. <laughs> 
really? His name is a lie. <laughs> Mind blown. Holy shit. Wait wait wait, 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 wait. Before we do that, I have something to say about this that I forgot to bring up. Uh, and I sent it to you, but I want to say it on the freaking podcast because it made me crack up so much and it's very relevant to do. And I'm sorry, we'll get to your thing in just a second. It's just two seconds of my time, but I have to pull it up because I... Ugh, but I think you I'm can't prepared. even be prepared when you. <laughs> I think I might have sent it to shit. you already, but uh, God, what is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, someone this meme that was going around for someone's tweet where they said, "Nothing sexier than the Dune books," asking you to understand crazy sci-fi jargon in the first paragraph, like Benny Gesserit, Muad'Dib, Pen- Mentat, Arrakis, Melange, and Quizet Hadarak, and then after reading all of that crap to make no freaking sense. You meet our main character, Paul. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that was That's definitely great. something That's we great. remarked on too. Is like everybody's got these weird names, and then you've got Paul and Jessica. Yeah, yeah, even Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> Duncan's a little strange, but like all these other ones, yeah. Not just Duncan, but Duncan Idaho. Yeah, like. <laughs> And Baron Vladimir, like, what's his name? Vladimir? No. Vladimir. Vladimir is one of the Fairly less weird normal. names. Yeah. Dude, I that's, bet, that's a weird thing. I bet the guy who wrote Dune did that on purpose as a little joke to himself. Just be like, I'm going to write this crazy <laughs> shit. That the guy and then Paul. this Mentat's going to well, be named Thufir. I mean, the guy lived in San Francisco in the 60s, so I'm sure he was on some kind of drugs. Yeah, probably. It was just like, ha, this will be funny. Well, if there's a whole planet, there was all the desert, man. But also there was space travel. So you're going to write like a space but book? Also no, the, the whole book's going to be there. on Dune. It's going to be a desert story. Yeah, that's the thing. But it's, it's like, space. Yeah, but there's space. Trust me. But uh, the desert, yeah. that's what's important. And, and there's going to be this chosen one that lives on this planet, and he's going to have <laughs> special powers. <laughs> and he's going to go on this hero's journey. And <laughs> That's uh, funny. They yeah. got spacecraft. So they got like crazy cool computers and stuff. Nah, no. people. Analog. They just fly. Like they gotta fly their own helicopters. They don't have like any of that. But it's gonna be awesome, dude. So are they gonna go to like other planets? No, nope. no. It's all gonna be on this one planet. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that was one of the fascinating things about Dune. So is there gonna be a lot of action? No, planet. no. <laughs> They're just gonna be talking nah, about trust me, though, being story, on the desert though, planet. <laughs> like this one, like they this chick's part of this other thing called the Benny Jesuits, is what I'm gonna call it. And then there's gonna be this dude's like special, but he's part of these guys, but not part of them guys, and those other guys, and there's an empire that's part of it. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> just being completely convoluted. Very convoluted story. But as Mikey said. When you get to the payoff, and that wasn't even the payoff because no. it's only the first book. You know, the payoff is going to be in the second movie. Once things hit the fan, all of that was important. Yeah. It was. It ended up being important. So, anyway, for yeah, sure. Give us some trivia about Duncan Idaho. All right. So, fun fact Duncan Idaho was portrayed by Jason Momoa. Who? The guy that. The- Aquaman? No, 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 the, no, guy no, no. the guy from, from, from Game of Thrones. Juice. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I ever saw him in anything, it was a, a rape scene. That that scene from Isn't Game of Thrones. Weird? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. Even, I just put that together right now. Like, oh man, he's come wow. a long way. He's a whole different guy than freaking Cal Drogo. He just kind of <laughs> he just kind of thrusts thrusts, but like not. I well. mean, I kind of I kind of have way more respect for him as an actor, considering how far he's come since yeah. then. Uh, yeah, yeah. And how much more complex of a character, or how much wildly different characters that he can play now. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, no, anyway, adapting Dune for the big screen has been a lifelong dream of director Denis Villeneuve. Uh, ever since he learned about David Lynch's Dune 1984 from the magazines Fantastic Films and Starlog and read Frank Her Herbert's novel when he was around 12 years old. He wanted to make a faithful adaptation, so he waited until he'd done sci-fi films Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 so that he would have sufficient experience in the genre before starting work on Dune. In fact, scenes from his prior films are strongly influenced by his interpretations of scenes from the novel. So mm. first off, I love the little dig in there. He, he wanted so badly to make a movie that was faithful to the book after having yeah. read about that's, David that's, Lynch's 1984 film. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, a, what a slight against David Lynch, although it's true. I hope his timing was right. Because I feel like just five, ten years ago, the world wouldn't have been ready for a actually faithful no, adaptation. People would have wanted an action-packed hero story. This is true, but I also yeah. find it hilarious that like this frames it like he saw Arrival and Blade Runner as resume builders. Well, I mean, is this something? To I mean, that? like they—they they are. They, you know, he's got an impressive resume because of those movies. But well, but that the thing—that's the thing. Blade I don't—I don't know much about Arrival, but Blade Runner, he had stuff to. He had a world that already right. existed. Blade, but wait, wait, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, yeah, not the original. Yeah, but no, it just like it's—it's it's funny to me the way that it frames it as. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna—I'm gonna take these bullshit jobs so that I have experience for the movie I really want to <laughs> make. Um, let's see. I'm going to keep flipping through here. Um, let's see. Uh, the scenes from the ocean world of Caladan were shot in Stadlandet, Norway. There goes our Norwegian listener base. Um, <laughs> much of the desert scenes on he the desert just says world. <laughs> I'm what not listening fool. to this anymore. What, what a fool. He can't even pronounce it correctly. He can't even say correctly. <laughs> Much of the desert scenes on Arrakis were shot in Jordan and Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. Oh, nice. Good Go to figure. know. Uh, the first full trailer features a version of Pink Floyd's Eclipse by composer Hans that Zimmer. That is supposed to be a homage to that one I was telling this you about from 1975. This is a nod to director Alejandro Jodorowsky's, uh, I butchered that, proposed adaptation of Dune in the 1970s. Um, let's tuning. Yeah, looking Gonna up more facts for Dune. Spice. Uh, this film sports a directly Arabic theme, in keeping with author Frank Herbert having used Islamic culture as an influence. We touched on this. We also touched yeah. on how much the 1984 film was lacking in that. Oh, we are it's just uh, another no, spice in the sand. <laughs> oh, it was Pink Floyd yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because they do brick in the wall. Wait, no. All in all, it's just... Oh, crap. Now I'm blanking too, too many drinks in. Oh. I do know that song. This is interesting that I, I, I was not aware of until just this moment. Really? A spinoff prequel series titled Dune the Sisterhood was announced for HBO Max while the film was being produced. I heard about that. You didn't hear promoted. about that? I did not hear about yeah. that. I'm very excited now. Yeah, we'll see. If they can I, maintain I, this and open I'm this world up, that would be great. They can well, do this trilogy in the theaters. Because this then would I don't be care potentially make, completely original content. Make God Emperor of Dune a freaking series. I don't care. I want to see that come to life. That's the most, that'll be the most bizarre 
hard to understand convoluted story yeah, you'll of see a it. freaking thing ever and i would love to watch that you'll see in like 20 years yeah i'll watch it with my kids when i was a boy they just came out with the dune movie they were dad you were 30 no dad <laughs> that came out when i was a boy you wouldn't t- let me you, you wouldn't let me watch it you wouldn't watch it with me dad that all was, right that was for me time son so <laughs> i have two more that uh just both popped up at once. Uh, one is another fact about the 1970s film. Charlotte Rampling uh, originally wanted to play Lady Jessica in the French dude's failed project, uh, but declined the offer due to a scene that involved 2,000 extras defecating at once. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Like, for real? Yeah. Uh, and I want to play Lady Jessica, and you're cool with that scene where two thousand people take a dump around her. How is he? How is what? he coming up with that? Was that, that in the book? <laughs> uh, and and that's also the woman who played the Reverend Mother in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, she oh, was. Cool. She wanted the part of Jessica until yeah, no, two thousand people got the show, though, like, hey, We want you to play the the mother. Is she's like, well, how many how many poops? Because I might draw the line at forty. And the last time it was 200, so that was too much. And uh, <laughs> and also Sting was considered for a cameo in this film. Oh, God. Thank, thank God. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> why not? Seems, they shouldn't have put him great. in the first movie. He That's was in why. the 1984 movie. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Mikey, you just like him because of Only Murders in the Building. No, I like him. I like him because he made a few good songs. Honestly. Just a few. They probably would have done a better job giving him a cameo on this, but the, the, you should see the 1984 one. There's no reason for Sting to be in it, and there's all these awkward sexual tensions between him and his uncle. It's very nice. strange. I I would have loved to just have him be a background character in like. Did the he Harkonnen even have a room. line in 1984? No, no just, he was just, w- just half naked there, the whole time. Half naked. Sting? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was in a speedo the whole time. That he was, was his. A, he didn't even have a line like "so lonely." No. No, but that's what, like, it would have been fun to just have him be, like, a lackey in the Harkonnen background. You saying, uh, and, please like, stand closer to me. Oh, you son of a bitch, that's where I was going with this. <laughs> he was going to get too close to the Baron or some shit, and he's like, no, don't stand so close to me. <laughs> I was going with the creepy version that uh, No, he, he did tell Paul in the 1984 movie, I think he might have told Paul, I'll be watching you. Nice. Nice. Okay, I think we all got one. Yeah. In. I, yeah, we. That's enough dwelling on Sting. <laughs> I should have uh, had oh. him do the soundtrack. He did great with Emperor's New Groove. Uh, this is interesting. Like I think was touched on in the books, but even I didn't know some of this. Although not mentioned in the movie, the great houses all originally come from Earth. Explaining the use of Latin terms such as Benny Gesserit, uh, meaning well done, the Scandinavian word Landsrad. Uh, which is the Council of the Great Houses, yeah. uh, and the Dutch cool. name De Vries, which is Piter's... Piter De Vries. Yeah, yeah no, um, they explain that. They don't explain that to like the third book. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, no, well, all of this, all of the humans... I haven't read the third book. Well, they, <laughs> that's like at randomly in all of it, and they're like, they just like, oh, yeah, well, because the people don't realize, they don't even remember Earth, but like there's a character that sees the past and is like, no, we all came from this one planet, and then across the stars a hundred thousand years ago or whatever it was. Cause I don't know if you caught that, they give you the year at the beginning. It was like the year hundred thousand or something. One Oh one ninety one. One Oh one. 
10,191. Yeah, no, because it made me think like how funny would it be if somebody was just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're the class in 99, but this is the year 101.99. I I totally thought you were going to go for the low-hanging fruit of like, what if the movie was set in the year 42069? (laughs) I could have been wrong. (laughs) Nice. But I don't think that that is like based off of ours, like AC either. No. It's a different thing that they're doing, but it's just to show you that it's 10,000 years because I believe it's like, way longer than even that because civilization doesn't remember earth they don't remember all these things there's like a a thing they remember bowls like the fifth book that i'm reading someone's talking about like some painting that someone has it was super ancient and restored like five times ends up being like a van gogh painting but nobody knows who this guy is and what it is and where it's from and what's it what's a van gogh it's just kind of a cruddy painting but someone somewhere in the ancient past painted it well you know like oh so uh so an interesting archive actually has a second half. Okay. Like um, the movie. That I want, yeah. That I want to make sure that I touch on because I think it's interesting. So although they live on Caladan, the Atreides family has their roots in Earth's Greece. Uh, in yeah. fact, the Minoan civilization, which. They trace themselves has, back to Alexander the Great. Well, we'll get to sorry, that because there's, di- there's a different. Um, that's, from, that's from the third book too. But yeah, no. So specifically they trace back to the Minoan civilization, which is known for the Minotaur, the Minotaur, yep. which explains the bull. Matt's just sitting there like, yeah, I fucking know this, so, Blake. Yeah. So Frank Crazy trivia, just, yeah. Jesus. Frank Herbert did his homework apparently for this. Um, all just for one little nod. Uh, I don't know if it's a nod. I think it's just world building. That's clever. It's smart to have that somewhere. Like, okay, so I'm going to explain this. You probably this know this inspired. because you've read way further into the series, but I'm sure Mikey doesn't, and okay. I didn't. Uh, in the extended universe, an ancient Atreides ancestor had actually traced his lineage all the way back to King Atreus, a character mentioned in the Greek Iliad. I knew that. He, d- he adopted <laughs> the surname Atreides, which literally means son of Atreus. Huh, I don't think I knew that one, actually. I did. That's right. Right. Unless Mikey is Mikey it, is a Greek it. history scholar, so he probably knew all about the Atreides. So that, uh, yeah, the Atreuses. So that means that that there is potentially <laughs> Atre- Adidas. So that means that there is potentially a house Atreides somewhere in Greece right now. I'm sure that that's what that means. Yes. <laughs> Positive. Yeah. If you're out there and you're listening to this and your last name's Atreides. Contact Blake and let him know that you exist. He'll be your friend. Yeah. If you don't have any friends. Blake Especially will be if your friend. name is Paul. If your name is Paul, I'm going to get real close to you. <laughs> that sounds ominous. Okay. Well, just like the quote at the beginning of the movie, dreams uh, dwell from the beneath or whatever. You guys remember that? At yeah, the very yeah, yeah. beginning. I thought the quote was a dream is a wish your heart makes. A dream is a wish. Mikey, copyright, copyright, copyright. When you pee your sleep. Parody. We're protected by parody laws. There you go. You added some originality in there. We're all good. In California, you're not allowed to own a large cat, a primate, or a bird. Why? Even with a permit. How large is a large cat? I opened up my phone and I saw a notification and someone posted that. How large like is a, a large tiger, cat? A like, lion. So it's, it's so it's not like if my cat hates Mondays and eats too much lasagna and he gets puts on a few pounds. Blake, you're a zinger with a comedy. I know. I'm, <laughs> can you tell I do this for a living? <laughs> <laughs> I hate Mondays. 
but I love lasagna. It's weird how relatable Garfield is. Fucking right. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all hate Mondays. I also hate people named John. Yeah. And what's the dog's name? Otis. Nice. Odie. O- Otis Odington. Odie. Odis. Odie. Otis Redding. We should end. Yeah, we probably should. We should stop. Mikey's already rolling his next split. Yeah, we should stop. Uh, If you like the show, you can follow us on all the places. We are on Twitter at Family Record Poe. We are on Instagram at Family Records Podcast. You can email us at FamilyRecords at FatTango.com if you have questions, concerns, uh, recommendations, stories, anything, really. Um, If you like what we're doing here, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes uh, or wherever you listen, if that's an option. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Rodolfi. I am also... uh, in a podcast with Mikey that I would recommend you don't listen to called They Might Be Bronies. It's very inappropriate. Uh, Mikey, any plugs? Yeah, check out at Fat Tango Productions on Instagram. Check out at Fat Tango Podcast on Twitter. Um, I do an, I do a podcast with Matt that I would highly recommend you listen to. It's called Four to Tango. It's uh, you listen to it or you can watch it on YouTube. We hang out. We play games. We're going to wake up hella early tomorrow and record a new hella episode early. of it. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Like I go we're doing mornings now. I love like this is this is probably the show I love doing. Like the act actively That's about doing. to change now. They have to get up early. Yeah, no. I, like I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, "Fuck this show." Yeah, you're gonna have to wake up early enough to have your coffee and let your coffee sit sink in for like three hours. I need to wake up early enough to be able to go to a donut. Like you just don't go to sleep <laughs> and buy a little happiness. And just stay just away. <laughs> go to sleep after. <laughs> I can't. I can't do all nighters anymore. <laughs> Absolutely not. You can right. do the Ben Franklin thing with like the twenty minute cat naps. There you go. I hate you naps. You gotta train your body for that though. Blake, give us some plugs. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Blake Sweet Comic. You can check out the podcast that I do with Mikey called Fat Tango Presents, our scripted yeah. anthology comedy series, which will have dropped a new two to three minute quickie. The day before this comes out, I'd love yeah. to be a part of something like that someday. Just hey, one quickie. of these days, yeah. if you're good enough, quickie, yes. we'll I'd let like you be a part, part of it. it. I love quickies. <laughs> um, That's all I can do is quickies. Yeah, and I would also like to recommend they might be bronies. I, I, I mean, it, yes, it is inappropriate, but I just want to say it makes so much more sense once you actually like have seen the show and know what they're talking about. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> yeah, cause I, I've been listening. I listen along for the entire pretty terrible things. Yes, you do. But I listened for the entire first season and was like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? And then I watched the episode for the one yeah. I guessed it on. And yeah. it makes so much more sense. You can see it now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's funny. All right, y'all. Well, we thank you for joining us for another episode. Um, Hope you weren't too bored listening to us just geek out about Dune. We brought Mikey here for that reason, well, so it's not just me and Mike and Blake going nuts. Yeah, talking about the whole book. I know Jr. will like the episode. Did he go see it? He did. Nice. He actually, I I skipped out on a book club discussion to have this podcast to discuss the movie. So, oh nice. dang, uh, that's love. Eat yeah. it, book club. Yeah, book well, club. the book club isn't going out for all however many people are still listening to hear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's pr- although I, I do have to give a shout out to a book club member. Uh, shout out Jack, who predicted that this is where the, mov- the movie will end. Yeah, he predicted this yeah. one, right? There's, I, 
I was going back through our uh, or our discussions on Discord, and yeah, there was just a moment of like, oh, Paul killed a guy. And then a message like five minutes oh, later, yeah, like this right. is definitely killed a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then a message like five minutes later, like this is probably quickly. where they're going to end the first movie. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another week. We appreciate you hanging out. I hope you like what we're doing uh, until next week. Peace, Peace late, late out. out. This has been a fat tango production.